after a good sweeping job. It's always so nice in the monastery, isn't it? All the paths are clear from leaves uh, around the stupa. It's nice and clean around the bodhi tree, around the uposata hall, eating hall, everything clean and cleared of leaves and debris. You know that feeling if you ever slept in a monastery when the whole community is working 20 minutes and then it's all clean. Can you feel that in your mind now after sweeping away all this burdensome stuff with the not sure boom with the Anitra rake. In the Zen tradition, they sometimes talk about the iron rake, uh, rake it all out. As his famous quote from Dongpo Cha, he said, in more than 40 years as a monk, this is all that I found. Not sure and patience endurance. Patient endurance and not sure is all that this outstanding meditation master, Ajahn Shah, could find in more than 40 years as a monk. So sure enough, these things must be important and profound. I'm not sure was Ajahn Chah's Namayne in Thai. Ajahn Chah's very idiosyncratic, very in an individual translation of Anicca. The common translation for Anicca is impermanent. Now that is certainly not uh, wrong and quite correct. But there are additional aspects and if something is impermanent then for sure it is not sure <laughs> something is impermanent it is uncertain and that was on one aspect you know, that really resonated with uh, Ajahn Chah and which he used in his own practice so we can apply that both uh, internally and externally. We can apply that both in our formal meditation to the subtle phenomena that arise in our consciousness while we are, say, sitting formal samadhi meditation. And we can just as well apply it uh, in daily life when we are on a coarser level and when we are interacting externally with other beings whatever people may be saying to us, whatever we read and the messages you get or comments on your Instagram, whatever you hear in the news, whatever actions other people are committing or not committing or not doing or doing, it fits for everything. 
because every sankhava is not true. Everything that is of a conditioned nature, sankhava means put together, put together by conditions arising due to conditions and then not passing away, coming to an end when the conditions come to an end, when the conditions are exhausted. Now that's uh, Sankhava. And everything that is conditioned, originated, based on causes, is obviously impermanent. And what is impermanent is not true, it's not certain, it's unreliable. The problem is now that we are buying into things, that we consider them to be permanent. And one of the things we are all so afraid about is pain. Whether it's now some strong physical pain, you've got a um, backache, a headache. Or whether it is mental pain when you lose someone if a loved one dies, that is a, such a big event for us, isn't it? But now imagine whatever pain you're experiencing there, imagine you, you would know for sure you have to endure this pain for another five seconds and then it's completely gone. We could do that, isn't it? Even a very intense headache, a very intense backache, if we definitely knew only another five seconds, maybe we could just manage. See, this is a power of impermanence, not true. And of course, now there are pain conditions which last much longer than five seconds. But they're all impermanent. There's no permanent pain. There's no permanent pleasure either. And so we contemplate that and the moment we can see pain, Dukkha Vedana, as impermanent, as not sure, as not certain, then the result of that is letting go. And of course, Ajahn Chah was contemplating not sure aiming at letting go, because that is a natural consequence of the mind seeing, realizing, understanding, not sure, not certain, and we no longer cling, and we no longer stick to this uncertain, unsure thing, and we no longer buy into it, not identify with it, and we not grasp at it as in the me or mine, because it's so uncertain. Have you ever tried to buy one of the clouds? And we have here in Queensland when the big thunder clouds come up for a thunderstorm on top of the hill. And I sometimes have a beautiful view of that and they build up. Have you ever tried to buy one of these thunder clouds? <laughs> Would you buy that if someone tries to sell you that? 
I think no one has even tried that yet, no, because you can immediately see, and it doesn't make any sense. No, why would would I try to buy that and then claim this is my my cloud there? If it just start raining and it's all gone, not the wind comes and the cloud is gone, that's changing every moment. It sounds like a, a silly and a bizarre idea that someone would want to claim ownership one of these clouds because they are so uncertain, so impermanent, so changing every single moment. So why do you claim ownership then of your moods and your emotions? These moods and emotions, you know, they're often quicker dispersed and quicker changing than, than a cloud in the sky. Upset, disappointed, happy, excited, bored, elated, angry, tired, cause all the time, eh? just like these clouds and the different weather coming in, going through, and changing, uh, I mean, virtually in any, any second, any moment. And who has tricked us into buying into that and trying to hold onto that as me and mine? I am disappointed, I am angry. And then even believing that this lasts. You know this subjective feeling when you have a strong emotion? It always feels like you know, this emotion is going to stay and it, uh, subjectively and it feels like no, I will be forever depressed now or when we are over the moon it feels like now I will be over the moon forever. There's a nature of all emotion that it comes with that delusion, that impression attached to it. And then it changes and turns into the opposite and we still buy into it. The same with liking and disliking. Have you ever noticed now how uncertain that is? Do you like it or do you dislike it? Of course I like it. It's a nice, cool day. I really like that because it's a bit too hot. How about in winter? <laughs> Suddenly it's the opposite. If we investigate liking and disliking, we notice how uncertain that is, how unsure. Someone gives you a beautiful flower. You like it so much. Sniff, sniff. Now you notice you're allergic to that thing. <laughs> or you dislike it. Same flower, one moment to the other. Liking, disliking. Someone gives you a beautiful flower. And you look a little bit closer, you like it so much. And then you notice it's an artificial flower. Maybe you're not into artificial flowers and you think, how can they gift me for my birthday an artificial flower? This is 
This is awful and you dislike it. Within a second, bang, the other direction. From liking to disliking, from disliking to liking. And we have to mindfully, carefully observe that, that we can start to notice how unreliable that is. And normally we think that is one thing I can really rely on, what I like and don't like. And if I can't rely on that, then my whole delusion of me almost collapses, isn't it? As how we define to a large extent our identity. This is me, what I like and what I don't like. If suddenly the food I don't like, I like, and the music I don't like, I suddenly like, and I would be like, I'm, I'm a different person. Now this is how the whole delusion of entity, of self, is tied up with maintaining the delusion of stability. So when we undermine the delusion of stability and lastingness and certainty, and we are also undermining the delusion of self, of utter, we start freeing ourselves, digging ourselves out of this mass of delusion. And the aim is to let go, the aim is freedom. The aim is security, safety. Unfortunately, we think that we can gain security, safety, by making things stable and making them as sure and certain as possible. That's what we do all, all our life, not trying to establish stability, certainty, have a permanent job, not just a, a day labor or just a short-term half-year contract or something on probation. You want to have what they call a permanent job. You want to have a permanent visa. It's not nice being just on a tourist visa and having to extend that, extend that. And I certainly can relate to that. When I lived in, in Sri Lanka, I have to extend, and here in Australia, the first couple of years, feels very uncertain that something happens, I can't get the visa. So I try a permanent visa and citizenship. If you think you have got a permanent visa, then someone has fooled you. There are no permanent residency anywhere. We only have impermanent residency on planet Earth. <laughs> there's no permanent residency anywhere because there's no permanent body. We talk about residency and what is resident in our body and the body is impermanent. So how can an impermanent body have a permanent residence? But we like to make it as stable as possible. And you put it into your calendar. You want to have your calendar stable. And you're recurring events. On, on Wednesday, you go to the gym. On, on Thursday, 
that thing with your kid and uh, on Saturday you meet the family uh, make it stable seven you get up and now you have breakfast and you can notice now we try to make everything stable, everything certain we expect people to act predictably they get irritated when people are very uncertain, they don't keep appointments, they don't keep dates, they come late, they come early, they don't come at all. Very irritating, isn't it? Because we want things to be certain, permanent, and we think that we can get out of suffering by making it as much certain as we can possibly organize. There's only a big problem with that. You can never organize it to be all certain because all these sankhavas you're using to organize and to build it up are uncertain. And I'm sure you have all experienced that, how your attempts to make your life certain and sure and the behavior of others certain and sure, predictable. The predictability is related to certainty. If it's certain, you can predict it. That's what we like. That sankhavas are unpredictable and uncertain. And we are getting ourselves into more suffering the more we try to make these sankhavas certain. The worst is if we have reason to be successful because we are really smart and uh, we really work hard and then you can build up for a short while a delusion of stability and certainty your job, your relationship, your kids, your emotions, and keep it kind of under control for a while. And then unfortunately the increasing the delusion of uh, self-stability and so on until some things happen and all collapses. So we have to notice that by going deeper into the delusion of certainty and stability and predictability and so on, we are going deeper into suffering because it will always collapse on us. And the way out is the other direction. To clearly see and understand and contemplate and realize everything, all Sankhavas, as uncertain, as impermanent, as unstable, this is counterintuitive because it feels like this is a way into, oh, very scary. My body uncertain, my health uncertain, my job, my relationships, my, my money, everything uncertain. Oh, looks so scary. Reality is if you can really see that, if you can really go into that, and you're not scared but you dig in there and you understand it, you realize it. The point is now that you let go then. You cannot really see that without letting go. There things now this is connected. The moment you see that all that is really uncertain, impermanent, you also see you don't really own it, this is not yourself, this is not mine. And then the mind lets go. And that is the only way to get out of the uncertainty and the suffering. And that is a mind 
great Kobajans that have experienced. This is how Ajahn Chah, deep in his heart, and wasn't even affected by the 12 years of a body no longer functioning and dying very, very slowly. I may have seen it's all not sure, it's all uncertain. And that is why in the monks with uh, psychic power, with good meditation, very deep meditation, that they could see that his mind is actually bright and uh, radiant and clear and luminous, even if his body is a total wreck and he needs a 24-7 nursing care. That is a freedom which we can all achieve, but we have to go through that contemplation of uh, impermanent, although it looks so scary. We have to notice that trying to make things certain, make Sankara certain, we have to notice that we are on mission impossible. This is mission impossible. And do you think you will ever get happy on mission impossible? Is that your kind of thing? Someone sending you on mission impossible? And you're even believing that this is how I can get happy and secure. So we have to go on the other mission, the mission of discovering, not sure, realizing, understanding, anitra, impermanent, uncertain and jumping in with the full coverage. I know it's scary for sure. My body, my life, all the loved ones, job, car, liking, disliking, my thoughts, my feelings, all uncertain, unsure. Scary, but go in. If you really see it, you won't be disappointed. Ajahn Shah wouldn't recommend you that if it got you into trouble. He recommended that because it gets you out of trouble. Do you have faith in him? Can you imagine Ajahn Shah recommending your contemplation that just increases your suffering? I can't imagine him doing that. Can you imagine the Buddha asking you to see everything as impermanent and not sure, if that leads you into more suffering. I can't possibly imagine that. The Buddha has all the compassion and metta in the world. He gave us this contemplation because that is a way to freedom. That is a way to release. That is a way to end suffering. That is a way to kemang, asokang virajang kemang, Etang Mangalang Uttamang. Sorrowless, dustless, dirtless, stainless, and uh, secure, safe. That's the only safety that can be found by completely letting go of all Sankhavas. To completely letting go of all Sankhavas, to do that, we have to see them as uncertain, not me not mine, impermanent. 
to don't make your meditation too complicated. If someone like Lumpur Cha could find only two things, not true and patient endurance, why do we need all this endless ballast and why do we like to make it so complicated and complex? Go wide in, not sure. Sweep away everything with that boom. Whatever comes up in your mind, just sweep it away, not sure. Until it's all empty. What do you think? <laughs> Could I convince you? Yeah. Yeah, in that case it's easy, exactly. In the case of pain, then we are not scared of impermanence and we want it to be impermanent. When we are sick, then we want it to be impermanent. Uh, you can use that. But uh, you see, uh, it will not work. You cannot see it only for the unpleasant things. It's usually connected. Maybe. We also have to see them that the health is also impermanent. If you try to contemplate only the sickness is impermanent, then you're, you're still attached to health and you still have the delusion that once I'm healthy, then this will be certain and that's how it stays. But if you contemplate both as uncertain and impermanent, then you're don't have that desire to get rid of the sickness anymore because what's the difference? See, this is the point. Everyone wants to get rid of sickness. Everyone wants to get rid of pain. And if you sit there, it's impermanent, so please, quickly impermanent. You're just uh, attached. You don't, don't get out like that. You have to contemplate at the same time. You're sick and then you, you want to be healthy, isn't it? You hate being sick. You hate the pain. You want to be healthy and pain-free. So please contemplate also that this what you want, healthy and pain-free, this is also impermanent. This is also uncertain. And once you do that, then what's the point? Why do I want to be rid of being sick? Why do I want to be rid of the pain if the pleasant feeling which I then get or the health I then get is also impermanent, not me, not mine? And then you let go. Any other? Of course, romantic love is maybe the um, most extreme manifestation of that delusion. This is why Buddhist monks, we are just not really good at weddings. This is why we usually don't go there. You're just a total party pooper as a monk if you turn up at a wedding and remind people of impermanence and all these things. We are, we are much more suitable for funerals. We go for funerals. Not at a wedding, we are just... Uh, 
totally unsuitable. I don't think you can get much dhamma into a wedding there. And all the songs, you know, all the love songs, is always about you know, all love is uh, forever. And tell that the divorce lawyers ask the divorce lawyers whether love is forever. <laughs> yes, I can sweep out everything with that iron boom of not certain. Okay, this session is impermanent, five o'clock. Not certain when the next session will be, whether you're still around, whether I'm still around next Sunday, whether Dhammagiri is still around. It's really uncertain, I tell you. Don't get stuck on anything. Let's share merits with all beings. Page 33. Now let's chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon,
สุปฏิปันโนอากาวะโตสาวกสัมโภสังขัง